Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to season two of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab, the Nakabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, sister, for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah? Um, Assalamu alaikum. So, my name is Khadija and I am a RTT therapist or known as Rapid Transformational Therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a hybrid form of therapy that uses hypnosis as a way to help and cure any problems, any childhood traumas that my clients have and help them to get rid of it so that they can live a better and more fulfilling and productive life. Alhamdulillah. And how long have you been doing that, sister? Um, it's been a couple of months, actually. So I think about six, seven months coming up to it. Okay. And inshallah, I've got a few more months to go. So hopefully it's all plain sailing from here. Inshallah, inshallah, mashallah. And what was you doing before that? Um, I used to write books. Actually, I was in between um, a few different things. So I think prior to coming, um, doing the hypnotherapy uh, course, I was actually publishing books. Really? So it was one of my hobbies. But um, it was basically, it was just something that I remember I write it, um, I wrote down as a goal that I wanted to publish my own books. And um, I think I did two separate books and it stopped for a while. And then by the Qadr of Allah, I came through to doing um, the course that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. So I ventured out in a few different things, I think, just to find what it is that I was comfortable with or what it is that I really wanted to do. And I guess that gave me a sense of purpose. Okay, so what kind of genre are your books? I had sort of poetry books. So from a young age, I was very much into um, writing short stories or imaginative stories. And then that developed and grew into writing short poetry. So I think the first book that I did was a very small book. It was about 33 pages, which Mm -hmm. I did through um, self-publishing. And then I took a break for a year. And then I started writing all over again and decided to publish a much more thicker book but this time with an actual publishing agency. Mm -hmm. And I think this was something that I wanted to do. So sort of to build my confidence up, but also um, achieve one of the goals that I had. So Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. I got that done. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. So are your books available online? They are available online. Yes, they are. Okay, cool. Well, might put a link in the description if you're happy with that, inshallah. Inshallah, of course. Okay, cool. So can you get, um, tell us a little bit about your Islamic background, sister, and um, how you came to start wearing the niqab? Um, so when I was in college, I I remember the first year of college, I started wearing the abaya. I mean, I've always had the hijab on since I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in college when I was 17, I really, really wanted to um, cover up and dress more modestly and wear the abaya. And the thing with me is sometimes when I make a decision and I decide that I want to do something, I sort of just go with it. Yeah. I don't really think about it as much and I play around with the idea and then the next day I'm wearing it. Mm-hmm. So that's what the abaya was first foremost. Um, I sort of had the idea I wanted to wear it and then the next day I remember just asking my dad to make one, which he did. All right, mashallah. So your dad is a tailor? He's a tailor, yeah. So mashallah. that came in very handy and convenient. So I remember on the Monday, I just wore the abaya and I just went with it. And I honestly thought that is where I would stop in terms of the Islamic dress code. I wouldn't go any mm-hmm. further than that. But when I hit 18, um, I started playing around with the niqab. My mom had a niqab in her cupboard. So I used to take it out and just try it on and just see what it felt like and see how comfortable I was wearing it if I would ever take the step to actually go out and wear one. And... Um, I think I remember it was the weekend and I had put I, I had tried it on and I remember thinking this is the most beautiful look in the whole wide world mm. and I wasn't scared at all when I when I looked at myself I thought I don't understand why people are so scared of such a look and mm-hmm. why they think this piece of clothing is something to fear 
So the idea kept playing around with my head and I kept going back and forth, back and forth, I think over a period of two days. And the next day I got up, I got ready for college and without thinking about it, I put it on and I walked out the door and I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell anyone in my family that I was wearing one. I don't think I even knew, to be honest, that I was that I was consciously aware of what I was doing. I think I just put it on and went out oh. and just thought to myself let me just see how it how I sort of get along or how it feels and I was walking the street and I remember thinking first of all I remember thinking I love how um I can see what everyone else is doing and mm-hmm. I can see everyone else's face but no one can see what I look like mm-hmm. but then as I continued walking I remember thinking I feel so free and I feel at peace Alhamdulillah. and I feel so content with the way I look and the way I'm dressed so the first sort of couple of months because I had a bit of an on and off relationship with with it Mm -hmm. so when I was in college I definitely I loved it I I mean after that first day I stuck to it I wore it completely everywhere I went and I remember my mom actually she advised me she said to me I think it would be better if you did take it off it wouldn't um as in for your own safety, I think now is not the right time for you to be wearing it. Mm. And I remember at the time there was a lot of Islamophobia going on. Yeah. So that was probably what was um, influencing her decision and her advice to me. And I said to her, no, I'm I'm actually very comfortable with what I'm wearing and the way I'm dressed. And I don't feel afraid of anything at mm-hmm. all. I don't feel anything is going to happen to me. And if 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 it comes to a point where I do feel afraid and I feel like I can't wear it anymore, then I will take it off. But at this moment in time, I'm very content and I'm very at peace with the way I'm wearing it. So my my earliest memories were very very happy ones. So um, mashallah, like you mentioned that you first tried the niqab from your mum because your mum had yeah. some in her it well one yeah. in her cupboard. Um, yeah. So, had you seen your mother wearing the niqab before, or is it something that she used to wear occasionally? Or? No, I remember she purchased that one from um, when she went to do Hajj. Right. So she came back and she brought along two of the niqabs with her. Mm-hmm. But I remember the ones that she had on. You know the part that covers the face. Yeah. It was a very light chiffon material. Mm-hmm. So when the sunlight hit, you could still directly see my face. Okay. And. I thought, okay, if I do go out wearing this one, it's not appropriate because my face is still clearly visible. Mm-hmm. So what I had to do was get a separate hijab mm-hmm. and tie that under, um, tie that around my face. Yeah. So there was some sort of cover underneath, and yeah. then I had to put the niqab on. Okay. So I did that for about two weeks, and it felt at first it felt really suffocating mm-hmm. walking around like that, but the content that I felt alongside sort of outweighed how difficult it was okay and then eventually I purchased the you know the single ones that you just sort of tie up yeah 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 and then I just sort of continued and then moved on to those alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah. so what about your dad then you said he made your first abaya for you so what was his kind of um reaction to you reaction um I don't think they had any objections towards me wearing the um abaya at all because I think they saw it just as a very long dress yes yeah one of those things but I do remember with the niqab it was just a little bit apprehensive and reluctant and trying to tell me what they thought was best Mm -hmm. as far as I remember there was no problems with the hijab and the abaya whatsoever alhamdulillah alhamdulillah and so you started wearing the niqab when you was in college still or had you was you had you moved on to another study by then yeah so when I was uh when I was thinking about going to university mm-hmm. I knew that the course that I was doing um required a lot of travel yeah. which meant using the underground and it was then when I decided or when I was contemplating with the idea of whether I should take it off or not um I, I, I remember I really didn't want to take it off. Mm-hmm. I was really disheartened at the idea of having to take it off. But I knew at the same time that it was better for me to take it off now because I wanted to feel a sense of safety and security when I was traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have ideas playing in the back of my mind. What if one day I faced 
some sort of verbal attack or something did happen and um the way my course was designed and my lectures were designed i would be coming home some days around uh seven eight o'clock in the evening and i knew that was something that my mom would also worry about so i mean it was a decision that i had to sort of really think about and decide is this the best time and i made my intentions and i said to myself i'm not taking it off because of any other reasons except that i'm just thinking of my security and my safety at the moment yeah so i did take it off after so i think when i was about 20 i took it off and it was purely because i wanted to put my safety first for travel purposes alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so um have you have you ever experienced any kind of um abuse at all um not towards it funny enough i it never happened when i was wearing my niqab but i remember when i was um in college i was coming home after my lessons had finished and i was taking my usual route and i was walking uh in the normal direction that i was going towards and there was this man and for some reason he just caught my eye and he was leaning against one of the bins and it was a really hot summer day summer's day and i was i remember thinking of all the places he's leaning against why is he leaning towards the bin because mm-hmm. it's hot and surely he can smell whatever there is but what made me stare at him was the way that he was staring at me so i noticed that he was glaring at me up and down and obviously looking at what i was wearing so as i continued to continue to walk towards him i created a bit of a distance between us both so just in case something was to happen i could react and i would be as further away from his from him as possible um as i walked past him i could feel that his gaze was still upon me and that's when he turned to me and he goes you should go back to your country and i looked back and i said excuse me and he goes you should go back to your country um osama osama bin laden's daughter wow and that you know when he said that to me i don't know what happened but i was in such a state of shock I turned around and I started walking as fast as I could and I could still hear him from the back yelling at me and saying to me go back to your country go back to your country and I think I turned back and I quickly just said oh whatever and then I carried on walking but that fear stayed with me until I got home mm. um and that 15 minute walk felt like the longest walk I'd ever done because I kept I looking back thinking that any time now this man's going to come behind me he's going to follow me home and he will do something so as i continued walking continued walking i could feel this rush of emotions in me um like a mixture of anger or feeling upset or like i wanted to cry and then i reached home and i didn't tell my parents what happened i didn't tell any of my siblings what happened i went straight upstairs to my room and i just burst out crying so i was in tears and the first thought subhanallah the first thought that came to me was had you not been wearing what you were wearing today none of that would have happened mm. had you not been out in your abaya and in your hijab the way you were dressed he would not have said anything to you that was my first thought and i sat there for the next 2 hours thinking that i can't wear this anymore i can't i can't go out in my abaya anymore because if i do uh, today's verbal attack could end up being a physical attack and i won't be able to do anything about it and i think now looking back at that moment it was really disheartening that i thought i was the problem mm. whereby i thought i was the one that needed to change and i remember sitting down and thinking okay when one day comes you're going to take your bai off and you're going to go back to your normal clothing you're not going to continue wearing this your hijab also it needs to be changed I mean there was nothing wrong with it in the first place but yeah. I was sat there thinking I needed to change it up and probably do it in a way that would um attract less attention towards myself. Mm. And I knew that I didn't want to take it off but I kept playing with the idea and the thoughts I had to because I needed to put my safety first. Subhanallah. And so, so man- this experience happened to you and you wasn't even wearing the niqab, right? no at all subhanallah because I, i you know this this is something like a lot of sisters feel that um you know obviously that like you mentioned before your parents even thought that wearing the niqab would put you at some kind of risk but 
yeah. the hijab in general, a lot of sisters just wearing the headscarf. I mean, I've 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 known of sisters, you know, where I live here, who've been attacked yeah. just for wearing a headscarf and not not wearing the the niqab at all. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah. It's upon like just looking different, just being that like somebody who looks different, and you look like you're, you know, not if you're not white as well, especially, mm. can be a target of hate crime, basically. Yeah, definitely. Because you you are different. You're not, um, you know, whatever that person perceives to be the norm. You know, yeah. so you know, and unfortunately, there are cowards like that around, and especially like I just don't understand, like as a man, if you consider mm. yourself to be a man, how can you? choose to like you know show your kind of um your vent your direction of hatred toward, towards a female especially a young girl exactly. you know, somebody yep, exactly. obviously vulnerable and um, you know so it's very cowardly to do something like that and it shows their lack of masculinity as well actually uh, yeah people like to use the term toxic masculinity but mm. i don't consider that to be masculinity at all if you feel that no, you neither do use, I. Your, like, use your kind just... of position of power and I think he could tell yeah and the way he was glaring at me you could tell that he knew uh, you know I've been what harm could I be doing exactly do you see and I was just walking across it and um that comment it stayed with me and I don't know why I felt so powerless when he said that I mean it was just a comment but it was the way he said it and I remember looking at his face and the sort of frown that he had and I just remember thinking back to hearing countless stories of other women who've actually suffered much worse. Mm. We've gone through so many other things. But it was just the idea that a small comment by someone and how it can change your mindset and how it changes how you view yourself and how you view things. I mean, I just, it's just, it's terrible because obviously they're trying to like intimidate you. And what, what I find so ridiculous, you know, especially like the comment that he made to you as well and similar comments that I've had like this, calling you Osama bin Laden's daughter and I mean I remember one time somebody walked past me and said Al-Qaeda and I just thought to myself like you're stupid because you if you believe that you know but from watching the news that Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda are terrorists then shouldn't you shut your mouth when you see me because mm-hmm. you should be scared shouldn't you be afraid let's that, be real but the reality is you know that there isn't any fear coming from me you know you're so exactly you feel in a position where you can intimidate me yeah he was really genuinely afraid you wouldn't say anything that's the reality but Mm. this is this is the kind of like you know situation that we have which doesn't make any sense it's a contradiction contradictory um um, situation you know like people make these kind of foolish comments and you just think like do you have you ever taken the time to sit down and think to yourself you know after making these kind of foolish comments um you know based on your racist views and opinions like if they actually make any sense at all you know there's no there's no logic in them and is there any substance to what you're actually saying or is it simply based on what you're watching and allowing to be fed into you to then come up with this perception and this idea and then think it's okay to then go out and say whatever you feel like to innocent bystanders exactly. basically judging people you know and it's like yeah. you know since this whole kind of like you know the islamophobia movement i don't know how to, how to <laughs> describe it you know, with the kind of um you know linking um women who wear the niqab for example um to like this kind of um ideas of terrorism and stuff like that which the two of them aren't synonymous they don't actually go together mm. but it's like yeah. that we you know Nakabi has been highlighted as being part of you know this you know heinous and disgusting mm. you know thing and it, it, it's not the same you know we're just we're just simple people that live like everybody else you know and whether you agree with how we dress or not is irrelevant it doesn't mean that we are doing something bad yeah, I remember those comments um, when uh, Boris Johnson actually equated to a Muslim woman in a, in a niqab to a letterbox. Yeah. And I remember that and I thought, how is it that this has become so normalised for Muslim women to be continuously attacked and made at the forefront of what is wrong with Islam? Mm-hmm. And how we are in need of being liberated and we are so oppressed and we are looking out and seeking out freedom. So I remember sitting down and thinking, 
this isn't the right way to go about it. I mean, yes, there, there is something that needs to be done. And we just simply don't have our voices heard. So, you know, for example, when the man made that comment, now looking back, I just think, how hard it would have been to approach and ask and educate yourself and find out why a Muslim woman dresses the way she does, rather than allow yourself to just lead and be led by what it is that you're hearing and what it is that you're seeing, especially in the media. Yeah, subhanAllah. And I just think like it, it, it's amazing that they say they want to free us from oppression, but nobody wants to talk to us. And actually question and yeah. get to know us and understand what it is that's behind the veil. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to talk to us. They don't want to ask us any questions. They're just making an assumption and then just speaking on our behalf when the reality they're not speaking on our behalf because they don't know what we want that's the reality because mm. at the end of the day every woman in every culture in every space of time has at one point on, or another been oppressed but also there's mm. been men who have also been oppressed too so it's not something that is unique to women you know you do, it, you, oppression is nothing to do with gender at the end of the day okay so mm. that's yeah. one thing but then this whole kind of idea that oh yeah muslim women because we're covered that we must be oppressed but at the same time you want to give you're saying that you're trying to free us but without actually inviting us to even speak and give our opinions and when and the few occasions that we are invited to give our opinions you cut us off you don't let us express ourselves because you don't really want to hear what we have to say That's yeah and you don't like what it is that we want to hear exactly. or what it is you don't like to hear what it is that we want to say and because it doesn't fall in line with your views and your beliefs and what you're trying to go out and propagate to society hence you cut yourself or you don't invite or you sort of turn the tables i just find it really ridiculous it is it is subhanallah and you know whenever anyone says to me an opinion of the hijab and so forth you know how we growing up we always used to hear hijab is my right is my choice and so mm -hmm. forth um i just say no hijab is a commandment of allah allah commanded yes. us to wear the hijab to observe exactly. it we have the free will whether we choose to or not mm -hmm. it's as simple as that there is no um, hijab is my choice. I decide whether I want to. No, no, no. It's it's a commandment. Yeah. You have the choice whether you obey that commandment or not. Similarly, the way salah is a commandment. You have the free will to decide where you pray or not. It's as simple as that. Exactly. Because that's the thing with Islam. Like, you know, you can't, you, just because you're not doing it, you can't say that it's not part of the religion. Yeah, exactly. And trying to water it down or try and, trying to pick a mix and see what parts make us feel happy that we think we can adjust to but then the parts that we can't we try and sort of bend it a little bit mm -hmm. subhanallah may allah rectify our affairs i mean i mean so um sister do you do you feel yeah. that um sisters who wear the hijab get treated differently from sisters who wear the naqab now that we're talking kind of about that to be honest um before wearing the niqab, I would have said no. I would have said, I think they get treated differently. But after wearing it, I think they do. Mm -hmm. And that's purely because I've had other sisters telling me that they feel intimidated by um, people who do wear the niqab. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think there's this vibe that comes off or this sort of feeling that comes off that pe women in niqab, they're very reserved and they are on a higher level of piety and righteousness than everyone else. Mm. There's just this general assumption. And they're very, um, they're not as welcoming and they're not as understanding as a sister who wears the hijab only would be. And I remember thinking, that's not how I want it to be. And mm. when I do have conversations with people or people who are in the mosque or just outside on the street, they would say to me that it's quite, um, we feel a little bit a little bit uncomfortable speaking to or communicating with women who are in niqab just because we deem them sometimes to be of a higher spiritual level than everyone mm. else but um i think if it comes in terms of things like oppression i mean i've only heard i'm sure islamophobia is widespread everywhere but most of the times i've heard of sisters in niqab who have had it pulled off who have had things thrown on them who have been um, physically and verbally attacked for wearing their niqab. But then sometimes I do hear stories of sisters who are just in a hijab and they've had it pulled off or they've been kicked behind or they've been followed home or they've had um, harassments and 
sort of insults and threats thrown at them. So I think it's because it's, I think it's definitely come to a point where it doesn't matter what you're wearing, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But you know, there like, is no sort of with what you're saying, and obviously I've I've heard a lot of sisters say this. So you know, we're both living mm. in the UK, so I think we've. Yeah. Been, kind of like on the same kind of um, wavelength when it comes to these kind of you know the ideas and things that we hear especially in the UK yeah. revolving um, about sisters who wear the car being on the, a so-called higher level of piety or whatever I wonder if um you know brothers for example who have the beard a full beard or brothers who you know wear like more islamic looking clothing thobe and like things like and kufis etc mm. like on a regular basis I wonder if other brothers have this kind of perception of them that they're on a high level of piety and therefore they they feel anxious with about talking to them or approaching them or approaching them i think it does i think sometimes with the way you dress it Mm. naturally comes across as someone who's a lot more focused on their being someone who's a lot more focused on you know um that closeness to allah and engaging more in acts of worship but I don't think it should ever come to a place where we give off a, a vibe where we're not welcoming. Yeah, of course. Or we are not approachable or so forth. I think it's that same thing again of sort of talking and getting to know someone. But I I remember with myself, um, when I did first start pra- when I did first start practicing, I really thought that the way if I was to change my clothes and if I was to wear the niqab and the abaya that would automatically improve my worship and mm-hmm. it would strengthen my worship. And in some cases, yes, it does. But as you sort of go through life and you carry on and you grow up and you mature, you realise that it's actually all about the heart. Yes. It's about how your heart is and how much attention you pay to the heart. Basically, your inner characteristics rather than what is on the outside. Because there were so many times when I struggled with worship and I thought to myself how is this possible because I cover up Mm. I wear the hijab I make sure that I'm modest where I go yet my heart feels at times like it's very low on worship and some days I feel like I'm very distant from Allah and I definitely felt that when we returned from Umrah Mm. and um, obviously throughout the two weeks of being in Umrah I had my face covered I was wearing the niqab it was naturally it was very comfortable but then we came back to the UK and we were going through um, the border. Right. I knew I knew that for some reason when I landed in the UK, there was something that was just worrying me. And I knew that I did not want to wear it anymore. I desperately wanted to take it off. I could feel people staring at me. And I knew that they were gazing at me, but I couldn't tell what it is that they were thinking about me. And on some faces, I could tell that they were looking at me as something to fear sometimes something to feel disgusted with Mm. Um, because obviously I stood out we got through the border and then we came home and I kept battling with these ideas and these thoughts that I I really want to take off it was this really deep anxiety and stress that was coming over me and every time I went outside I would put it on but it was like internally I was crying because I did not want to keep it on anymore yeah. It was just this fear. And again, it was that time again where um, Islamophobia was on the rise in a lot of the European countries. So, and funnily, funnily enough, when I was telling my mom that I'm a little bit scared to go outside, she said to me, you don't have anything to be worried about. So it was quite funny because I remember when I first wore it, she was quite conscious and reluctant and telling me, I think you should take it off. You shouldn't wear it. To coming now, her supporting me and telling me, no one is going to do anything to you if you place mm-hmm. your trust in Allah. Of course. And no one is going to touch you. No one is going to say anything to you. And if they do, just ignore it and keep walking. But don't feel like you are pressured to keep it on. And I think I was walking around. I think I had it on for a month after I returned from Umrah. And I think I had that mindset. You know, when someone returns from Hajj Umrah, mm-hmm. uh, you want to keep that sort of, that feeling of spirituality with you, that bonding with Allah and that closeness. And I think one of the ways I thought I would do that was if I start wearing the niqab again and just sort of continue. I was wearing it in Saudi for two weeks. I thought it would be very easy to come back here and wear it. And it wasn't easy at all. And every time I stepped out, I was very conscious and 
a lot more conscious of people whispering and looking at me but staring at me in a very obvious way mm. um and then i think after a month i sort of fought with my fought with myself with the idea that i, I can't take I, I can't wear it anymore that i need to take it off so did you stop wearing it for a while yeah i stopped wearing it for so i when i first wore it in college i wore it for about a year or two and then i took it off uh just before i started university okay and then i put it back on again when i returned from umrah okay and then after a month of wearing it when i was in umrah i took it off again and this time i took it off and i said i remember i made this dua and i said allah my intentions are not for any other reason not to show myself or because i don't want to i because i don't like it anymore i just said it's because i'm at this moment in time i'm actually really 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 scared of wearing it mm. and that's why i wanted to take it off so how was that like um experience like wearing it and then not wearing it especially was at university at the time do you think um how do you think because obviously like a lot of sisters when they start wearing the hijab or they start wearing the niqab you know mm. there is this thing in your mind where you're thinking well what do other people think like you know because it's something you're out outwardly that you're doing it's a look you know so, i did have that definitely so I had, how, um, how, 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 how did you kind of get through that i think i found it more weird for myself first mm. um when i took it off the first day when i went outside and i didn't i didn't have it on anymore mm-hmm. i remember thinking i i seem a lot more visible to people I, I feel like I'm standing out more mm-hmm. rather than having it on. And I would keep putting my head down and trying to put my scarf as uh, forward as possible to mm. cover up most of my face. Yeah, It took a lot of time to get used to. Um, but alhamdulillah, I had family and friends around me who were always very supportive. Um, it wasn't anything about questioning. And if they did, they if they were to ask me how come I took it, took it off, I would say that I just wasn't comfortable anymore. Or... I was going to university and it required me to travel and I wanted to put my safety first. Mm-hmm. So all the time around me, I've always had people who were always encouraging me, uh, advising me and always telling me that it was ultimately my choice and whatever made me feel feel comfortable at the time. But I do remember my mom said to me, um, and this always stuck with me, she said, the niqab isn't something that you can play with. It's not something that you wear on and off on and off Mm. you don't wear it one day and then you don't take it off another day she said keep it off and when you feel like you are ready and you are comfortable then put it on for yourself Mm -hmm. and that's what I did I kept it off until I was ready again to put it back on again alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so when did you really feel that you was ready and how did you know that you was ready as well um, so I was, um, it was actually, I think about, if I remember, I think two or three years later, I was in a school setting and um, I remember thinking I need, I wanted to do something to create a bit more of a distance between myself and some of the other male colleagues. Right. There was a lot of uncomfortable, I, I, I was always feeling very uncomfortable and um, again, the idea just came to me for some reason if I put the niqab on, that would be enough of a statement that I am trying to create some sort of barrier mm-hmm. and I, I am trying to distance myself from you and myself. Um, the idea came to me. I, I did not even think about it, but I remember one day I left, well, left my workplace and I went to one of my local stores mm-hmm. and I bought, a, I bought the niqab and I thought, I'm just going to keep this in my bag. And when I feel ready to wear it, that's when I'm going to wear it. But at least I know I've got one with me. Mm-hmm. So what was, you, what was your job at the time? Um, I was a year two teacher. Okay. Okay, mashallah. Was that just so, in a regular school or an Islamic school? Islamic school. Okay, alhamdulillah. So, as I, so I, I bought the niqab and I left it in my bag. And as I made my way back, I thought I'm just going to quickly go into my workplace, in my classroom, because there were a few books that I had left behind I needed to tidy up and um I reached the entrance and before I knew it I did not think about it before I knew it, I took the niqab out and I put it on my head I put it around my face mm-hmm. and I went inside and um 
a lot of the staff were there, a lot of the male colleagues were there and they didn't recognize me and they asked who I was. And I said, oh, it's me Khadija. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wearing the niqab now. And it was like, it felt like how I was when I was 17 again. Mm-hmm. It was the most comfortable feeling. I felt this sense of security and peace coming over me. Okay. And when I left, I remember as I left, I went home and my mom opened the door and she said to me, oh, are you wearing the niqab again? And I said, I, I think I am. I said, I'm not sure, but I think I am. And she said, she said to me, if you are wearing it this time, make sure you keep it on. If you don't feel comfortable, take it off. Don't feel like you have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. And then I went home and I sort, sort of reflected back and thought of what I did. Because I knew also, it's not something that I can go out one day having it on and the next day taking it off. Yeah. But I sat down and I made this dua to Allah and I said, oh Allah, please don't test me through the niqab. Because if you do, I feel that I will fail. And I will take it off. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to take it off. And mm-hmm. I just left it at that. And ever since that day, I've been wearing it now for about seven, eight years. And alhamdulillah, I can honestly, sincerely say that I have never, ever been tested through my niqab. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So on that note, would you say that you feel that the niqab is a barrier? And if so, in which sense? No, not at all. It. I think if anything, it makes women feel more liberated. It makes us feel that we have a sense of identity. Um, and I really wish that non-Muslims or people who are interested in in the niqab would actually approach and be confident enough and brave enough to actually ask us and say, how is it that this makes us feel? Because not once did I ever feel that I was inferior or did I feel that I was powerless or that I couldn't achieve anything or that I couldn't do anything. I never felt like my niqab was an obstruction in me doing anything. Mm -hmm. And because these thoughts were sort of play with my mind, I eventually wanted to uh, produce a book where it's sort of similar to what you do, sister. So you know how you interview niqabis Mm -hmm. and you ask how they feel. So I went around um, online searching for sisters, Muslim women, who are very successful in what they do. They're mothers, they're single mothers, they're divorcees, they're married. And I wanted to put together a book that highlights what is behind a woman's veil. Mm-hmm. So the title of the book is Behind Our Veil. And the theme of it was to celebrate and actually talk about what Muslim women do rather than what they look like and how we should feel around them. And then I did interviews with them to talk about what the hijab actually meant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there was something that they could say to non-Muslims themselves about the hijab, what would it be? And for me, this was a way to also liberate them. So have you released and that book? I haven't. I'm in the midst of releasing okay, it. I'm working okay, towards good, it. good. That's because we need books like this, sister. Really, it's important. I love my body. Inshallah. I, you, I've, I mean, I've sort of piled it together. I mean, and the idea sort of came when that comment was thrown that, we um we look like letterbox mm. so you know when you when you know when you feel powerless and you know that there's something you need to do you know be the change instead of sitting there and thinking oh something needs to change i thought let me actively do something because i didn't like the comments i didn't like what, what we were being made to represent as i didn't like what we were being associated with so i thought let me put a book together and actually give the voice to muslim women and let them tell the general public how it is, how they feel, what the hijab means to them, and what it is that they do and break that misconception that mm-hmm. we are an ed- uneducated, illiterate, we sit at home and we do nothing. So I was going out and finding women who were authors, uh, illustrators, um, writers, they were in art, they had their own businesses, they had their own, own clothing line. And I thought this is actually one of my ways to combat that sort of belief and that misconception towards us. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. I think that's a, a beautiful idea, and I definitely I can't wait to see the release of that book. Inshallah, inshallah please make copy. dua for me. It just seems to be taking its time. Yeah, inshallah, 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 brings it together. So I thought, do you know what? 
something has to be done Mm -hmm. and it can't be one of the because when the problem is at your doorstep you can't shy away from it and say I I can't do anything about it this is not my problem it is exactly and even if it requires something like a book I mean it's very light-hearted it's very informative who doesn't like books Mm-hmm. do you see and it's not something that's very thrown in your face and it's not very political also it's just very sim- simple and easy and talking to women about themselves and what they do and the hijab and I thought I mean I started this back in 2017 Thank and you. it's just slowly been dragging and I keep telling myself I need to prioritize it and get back to it and do something with it so inshallah, inshallah. I hope so Inshallah, definitely. Just keep going. Just keep going. That's all I can say, sister. Allah make it easy for you. Amen. Amen. Alhamdulillah. So, um, have you met any sisters? Um, and speaking of li- women's liberation and freedom and independence, have you met any sisters who've been forced into wearing the niqab? Because that's something that we're constantly always comes about. up. That yeah. yep, that's one of the main arguments that we're forced. Um, I'm just gonna say this. I mean, I know that there are people who are forced, and I know that around the world that there are so many women who are probably forced to wear the hijab and to cover up but I personally have not come across a single person mm-hmm. um every person that I've spoken to even through the book fun- funnily enough um I have sisters who are Muslims Muslim and they don't observe the hijab mm-hmm. and they say to me that no one has forced me no one tells me to cover up it's completely my decision whether I want to or not I know sisters who wear the niqab and if I ask them how did you come to wearing it not once do they mention that my father forced me or my husband forced me or my brothers forced me it's it's simply not there yeah similarly with the hijab I know girls who have worn it and that have taken it off or girls who never wore it and with time after a couple of years they have worn it but nowhere have I met anyone that says to me I've been forced to wear it this is why I'm wearing it Mm. I've been threatened to wear it. That's why I'm wearing it. It's more so, this was my choice. I came to this choice by myself. This is something that I wanted to do. In fact, if anything, I've heard of people telling me that their parents have told them not to wear it and to take it off. I've seen that a lot as well, especially in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I've never... It's actually surprising that the the general media think that we're forced to because I keep wanting to say it's actually the opposite. We are told not to wear it. Even by family members who tell us I think it would be best if you take it off yeah and and I find that really sad to be honest and I personally think that especially for young girls who have yeah. reached the age of puberty and then their parents their mothers even mothers who mm. are wearing the hijab sometimes wearing the niqab turn around and say to them well you don't need to wear the hijab yet subhanallah yeah. what are you doing because it's you're you're basically giving your daughter permission to sin against Allah and to disobey yeah. Allah and I don't understand this kind of mentality, you know, and it's just like, even if, if you have fears yourself um, about the hijab, it still doesn't mm. make sense to me. If you're already wearing the hijab or even the niqab yourself, why would you mm. not encourage your daughter to wear it? Because children, yeah. the, the, your daughter should be encouraged and your son should be educated about the hijab as well. There is hijab for men, but I mean, even in the sense of the hijab for the Muslim women, because yeah. the, the, the boy should be taught that, the hijab is something to be respected and they should yeah. be taught that they should respect women in general anyways mm, but they mm. should the boys need to understand that you know the hijab isn't something you know to um oppress the woman you know that's yeah, not what it exactly. is so they need to be having that level of education as well as the daughters so i don't understand when muslim mothers as i said the ones who, especially if you if a muslim mother is not wearing the hijab herself you can understand like it's hard yeah. for her to even say oh to her daughter like i think you should wear it because if she's not doing yeah. it herself it's not practical it wouldn't make sense yeah but exactly the woman who's wearing the hijab and then you say to your teenage daughter who's reached age of, age of puberty oh you don't need to wear it or take your time and no I just I just don't agree with it because Mm. you're giving her permission to disobey Allah and when will she then if you don't encourage her when will she then feel that confidence to even put it on because you're putting it you're putting it in her mind that it's something um that she should be afraid of doing yeah and maybe she maybe she wouldn't have had that in her mind before you even said that but because you're you're trying to feed this idea because I see this a lot mothers they're wearing hijab Mm. and the father is the one he'll come and say well no I don't want my daughters wearing the hijab but why is your wife wearing it then yeah 
you know and the, but it's like right. the, 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 the fathers are scared that oh their daughters are going to be like attacked or they kind of got this idea that they want their daughters to blend into the western society but if your daughter brings her boy home and says this is her boyfriend will you be happy with that no of course that's not. that's what i would ask do you know what i mean because you're 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 letting your daughters like kind of have this life where they're constantly on display and obviously i don't believe that a girl should be forced mm. to wear the hijab or anything like that but you, a lot of girls are being forced not to wear it they're not and you i know, think so... exactly i think with all of that with um especially because i have this conversation at times also i mean i've got uh young younger siblings and i think what it comes down to is parenting from a young age definitely it's, if the parenting is not done correctly then you will find yourself in these sort of, sort of situations and problems i mean we're taught to teach our children from a young age exactly and if you do not teach them something from a young age how on earth can you expect them to adhere to something when they're teenagers mm-hmm. because they won't um and if it is something like the hijab it's also be the role model have that good role model behavior where your children can see what is the correct way of wearing hijab and not also the correct way but the beauty of wearing hijab exactly because there are a lot a lot of teenage girls who they probably do want to wear it but there is so much influence especially coming from social media where the hijab has been altered and changed Mm -hmm. and it's been dressed in a manner where it sort of it's east meets west so we have the hijab but there's a bit of hair showing here yeah or we wear the hijab but the chest isn't covered or Mm -hmm. we wear the hijab but it's up very high you know the camel hump yeah that big thing on the back so Mm -hmm. it's very much of i wear hijab but i'll compromise yeah basically and i think that's where a lot a lot of girls face the problem feel the problem where i want to take the step but i will take the step but mix it with other things also and i think for me that for me personally that's one of my issues is you either wear it properly completely the way we were told to wear it or you don't mock it exactly I mean hijab is not something to be mocked with exactly and I think that obviously even like what you've mentioned there's a lack of confidence that Mm. goes with this kind of watering down of the hijab or what it is and it's it's two things a lack of confidence and a lack of understanding of what the hijab actually is so there's what it represents exactly so those 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 three things then like put together you know you Mm. need to understand what is the hijab the hijab is not something that is your culture specifically Mm. okay you might come from a muslim background but the way that your cultural you know backgrounds maybe wears the hijab it is possibly might not even be a correct hijab yeah okay so that's one possibility and it's your responsibility as a individual muslim whether male or female to look at your obligatory your your obligations in islam what allah has commanded mm. you and find that for yourself so that you understand yeah. why it is you're doing something not just doing it because this makes you feel more muslim okay because you know mm-hmm. there's so many things that we can say make us feel more muslim or not so you know everybody's perception is going to change like depending on who they are where they come from and yeah i think there's a burden you know on those young women who have been raised not you know wearing the hijab on a regular basis not having that kind of upbringing like you said like the younger the girl is if she starts wearing mm-hmm. the hijab from a young age and i'm sure these french politicians that have recently put this ban in about banning any girl under the age of 18 18 from wearing the hijab they're doing this on purpose they know what they're doing because the reality is any girl in this country yeah in the uk who hasn't mm. been wearing the hijab from a young age, when she gets to 18, do you think it's easier for her to start wearing the hijab? Of course it isn't. She doesn't feel not. comfortable, just even on a practical level. She doesn't feel, you know, she put on a scarf. I remember when I became Muslim, I was eight, mm. how old was I? I think 18, 19 years old. When I put the hijab on for the first time, I just felt ugly. I really felt ugly. Oh. And I just felt like, I, 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 in my in my heart I, I even I don't want to say I hated it but I felt just mm-hmm. ugly okay and I was yeah. just thinking but at the same time I knew that the hijab was obligatory okay yeah. I understood that and I accepted it so I just looked at them and I just thought to myself oh my god you look so rubbish but this is going <laughs> to be your life right now so just get on with it you know I kind of told myself that <laughs> so I can understand 
when these young girls, teenagers who are at their prime in beauty and, you know, their fashion is attracting them, they want to look nice. Mm, yeah, that at that age, they're, they're, they're thrown into the world, you know, mixing with the opposite gender, gender. whether it's in um, university, college, you know, or um, they've got a job, for example, and they're mm. just wearing Western clothes. Yeah, you know, and and I don't have an issue with Western clothes per se, but the fashion that goes along with it, like if you're not observing hijab mm. at any level, or even if you are observe, observing the hijab, fas- fashion has an impact on every woman. Okay, we of all course, like definitely to look does. Nice. We all want to be attractive. Okay, that's the reality. Yep. Okay, even us niqabis that cover up ourselves when we're in our house, we don't wear niqab in our house. We're dressing to try to you know look nice and reflect our personality and you know it's it's part of our being as females we want to look nice and we want to feel good so this is something normal so can you imagine that girl who has not been raised wearing the hijab in that way how hard it would be it would be and it's like as a parent this is what you've done to your daughter you've put her in that position that she doesn't even feel comfortable wearing it like even if she doesn't understand why she should wear the hijab on a practical level she doesn't it's not something she embraces as part of even her culture or her islamic identity because you've Mm -hmm. taken that away from her because you've not made her accustomed to wearing it it's not it's not something that's normal for her but it's something alien so when she decides that she wants to put it on she has to go through this whole struggle of like identity and how she she looks and is it really her you know trying to like come to terms with how she you know is she still an individual person if she's wearing it because you know I I had those anxieties when I started wearing it I thought to myself like oh like you know people are going to see me and they're just going to think I'm maybe like one of these Somali sisters or I don't know like yeah. you know do you know what I mean yeah because Sister, you, how long have you been wearing the niqab for um how long 12 years I think now and how did you find it at first Oh, the, well, to be honest, I loved the niqab from the beginning. When I became Muslim, yeah. the niqab, yeah. I really loved the idea of the niqab. And when I used to see sisters in it, I thought it was just, wow, like amazing. So I liked the idea of the niqab. But when I put the hijab itself, just the headscarf, mm. I just didn't, yeah. I didn't like it. I just thought I looked ugly, as I said. But I accepted it. Yeah. I knew it was something necessary. But because of my situation at the time, I didn't, it, I didn't feel that I could... Um, I didn't feel I had the confidence to put the full niqab and a bio and everything yeah. on straight away. Yeah. Although, to be honest, I wish that if somebody had given me one, I would have been yeah. happy because I think I would have worn it a lot earlier. But it wasn't my situation. Alhamdulillah. Because, um, oh, okay. yeah, I couldn't afford to buy like a buyer and all these different things. So it was one okay. of those things where I just kind of started out wearing layers of clothing. And, you know, you're just trying to wear yeah. whatever you've got and trying to cover everything that you're supposed to be covering but maybe some place is too tight and the other place might be you know you try to layer as much as possible and that's very uncomfortable actually having to wear lots of clothes in order to fulfill the conditions of the hijab is more difficult than just having your jilbab or your abaya which does everything in one you know so yeah exactly so that's and that's why like you know it's taken years but alhamdulillah i've got to that level where now yeah i wear the abaya on a regular basis or even now i've just started to wear the jilbab because jilbab is a lot more fabric to wear Mm-mm. um yep and you know sometimes on a practical level you might feel that it's like you know a bit difficult to like deal with but i've started to wear it recently because i find that it's very it is very comfortable but um if you're like getting in and out of a car it might be a bit awkward and you know there's some there's certain things circumstances where you might find that you know you have to adjust to kind of wearing it I know obviously there's a lot of sisters they still do everything while they're wearing it but it's something you you know these things take time to build up to so that's what I'm saying it's not an overnight thing and if you raise your daughters from a young age they're used to wearing the abaya they're used to wearing the hijab even if they don't wear it all the time they're already used it's that to thing, it. something that becomes a habit just simply exactly. becomes the norm it's something because we need to train our daughters to see it as something normal it's not something yeah. oh this extra thing that you do because oh you're pious one day no it's not like yeah. that it's not it's not going to make you pious because you wear it it's an obligation for you to wear the correct hijab and inshallah you know allah will take care of your heart and, and continue to lead you to you know what is correct and you know the straight path and you know you'll build up from there but it's it's not you wait to 
think that you're pious because none of us can ever think that do you know what i mean no and none of us can ever be per- perfect believers exactly. to think that we will reach that pinnacle and then we will adhere to the Islamic trust god it just it simply doesn't work like that yeah, and i think like that. that's what the problem is where we have a lot of the youth where they think i will reach that level of piety and righteousness and then i will be willing to wear it this is one of the things like often where i think when you were the niqab a lot of the time sisters have kind of have this um like you said like you know people think you're on this like you know you're like on the level of piety where they feel that they can't approach you but they don't see the process that you went to to get to that point where you actually started wearing it not everybody just put exactly, the makeup on like, exactly. like that. You know, you've had your journey to maybe you was wearing the the tight jeans and the the long tops mm. or the you know not wearing hijab. You know, it's, everybody's got their own different story. You know, that's why everyone's got their own the podcast as well because I knew that. Yeah. You know, everybody's journey to the nakab is different. And ultimately, everyone has their own path that they are walking and building and creating to get to where they need to, but. It's that thing of when we think that I, I will do certain things, I will do certain actions when I feel spirit, spiritually ready mm-hmm. or when I feel like I've reached that sweetness of Iman, as I like to call it. But um, and it just and the thing is, it doesn't come because yeah, you may reach it, but you eventually come back down and then it becomes that struggle of trying to stay on the right path and trying to just simply trying to do your best and that's all it is yeah subhanallah and and that's what that's what it is at the end of the day we cannot be at the same level all the time yeah you know it's a constant thing you have to always be trying every day struggling you know so and everybody has yeah and i think with mine when i was wearing the niqab i think that was one of the things i mean after being comfortable wearing with it i think one of the next things i really battled with was um, okay, now I look a certain way. I don't feel a certain way internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that thing of, okay, so I'm having, my iman is very low at the moment now. Do I take the niqab off? Because I don't feel as spiritual as I look. Mm. Or do I continue and push through and keep trying harder? Um, in the last couple of years, actually, I had to completely get rid of that mindset that, I may have I may have moments where I have low iman and I don't feel as spiritually connected as I may do on other days but that doesn't mean I take everything off completely exactly it doesn't mean that I won't reach that level level and that bonding again because it will come it's just about me doing the internal work and me doing the acts of worship to come closer not adding more layers of clothing onto myself mm-hmm. thinking that that is what will get me there exactly what does it mean to look spiritual anyway you know this is these are these are the kind of misconceptions that we have about physical yeah and i think us amongst ourselves also i mean yes non-muslims have that um conception also that someone who dresses a certain way they must be a lot more spiritual but us amongst Muslims ourselves, we have that also. I mean, we naturally tend to look at someone who dresses in a certain way. Certain way, we put them on a higher level than everyone yeah. else. But reality is, we are all, all on the same journey, all going through the same battles, all mm-hmm. trying to find our way on how to bond with Allah and how to get closer to Allah. Yes, yeah, Subhanallah. So, mashallah, sister, we've had a really long and good discussion here. But I'll ask you, um, what does the niqab mean to you? Um, I think it, to me, it means uh, it's a sense of belonging. This okay. feeling of being at home, feeling like there isn't anything that I can't do. And every time majority 99% of the time every time I've worn it and I've worn it with the correct intention I've always always felt at ease I've never felt felt like I was inferior to anyone um I was very proud that I was a Muslim I was very proud that I was wearing the niqab also and I think sometimes it's just it's very disheartening when you hear things that is completely completely different to what you actually feel mm-hmm. that you are you should be you should feel a certain way. You should feel like you are in need of being liberated and given your independence and given your freedom. And one of the ways to do that is to 
ban the hijab and ban the niqab and so mm. forth when in actuality that is not what it feels like at all and i come from a place where i've had family or relatives advising me from a good place from a good heart telling me that it would be best to take it off and i've stuck through and i said no Mm-hmm. when i feel like i need to take off or if i feel like i need to take it off then i will and it just goes to show that we are not a person we are not and it is not something an action that is forced upon us by the male figures in our lives or by anyone so what would you advise other sisters who would like to wear the niqab but they're just kind of at the beginning of their journey and they're thinking or contemplating wearing it to talk to Allah, to talk to him and to make sincere dua and always renew your intentions and think why you want to wear it and for what reasons you are wearing it. And then when you know your intentions, when you know for yourself by what for what reasons you are wearing it, make the intentions and then just do it. Don't have that fear that once you stick to it, you need to have everything in your life in order. Your salah needs to come in order. Your Quran recitation needs to come in order. You need to have this. You need to have that. Because that simply won't happen. Everything always starts with, with sincere intentions. And then du'as. And then placing your tawakul in Allah. And then carrying through. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much, sister, for giving so much of your time today. I've, had a, I've really enjoyed my discussion with you, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. 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 Jazakallah khair, and I will um, wish you a, a good day, inshallah. Have a blessed inshallah. rest of your day. Assalamualaikum. Thank you, sister. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah.